car repair, the nightmare of the Western world. You don't know the difference between the catalytic converter and the powertrain, the carburetor and the camshaft. You've been ripped off endlessly by unscrupulous mechanics who've charged hundreds or thousands of dollars. You're sick of feeling like a complete idiot, and you just don't want to take it or pay for it anymore. Well, your life's about to change. Meet Pam Oaks, ASE certified and top-notch auto technician host, shop owner, and author of Car Care for the Clueless, or how to make money while maintaining a vehicle. She'll answer your questions and teach you how to talk car talk. Get under the hood right now with Pam. Hey guys, how you doing? Welcome to another episode of Car Care for the Clueless. We have a great show this week. ASC Master Tech L1, Pablo Sarmiento. We're going to talk about when you turn that steering wheel, what makes those wheels go left and right? That's right, we're talking about your steering gear and suspension. Some fancy words, but after you listen to Pablo and me have a little chat, you'll know exactly what your technician's telling you when you go to the shop. And we're giving a little history lesson along with it, too. Very interesting. Of course, we have Peter Sudak, our gadget guru, back. We're going to have another gadget for you. And we have our cheap car care tip. And, of course, our email letter of the week. We want to recognize our sponsor for the first half, though, AC Delco Parts. Let's talk about AC Delco Parts. I've been putting them in my customers' cars for decades. I really can rely upon the quality part made by AC Delco. And you know what? So much that I have them in my car and I put them in my mom's car. I don't have to worry about it. It's reliable. So if you're in the need for a part replacement in your vehicle, even though you have foreign or domestic car, it doesn't matter. AC Delco makes that part for that as well. Ask for AC Delco by name. Let's start the show. Talk to Pablo. Find out about steering gear and suspension. So how are you doing, Pablo? Oh, hi, Pam. Uh, we're, we're doing okay. Just busy, busy. Oh, good, good. You know, in the past we've talked about a multitude of things, but I thought it'd be nice to touch on steering and the suspension system on vehicles. Well, yeah, it, uh, and i got to tell you, to appreciate and understand how far we have come with design and safety, we must go back to the beginning and... I gotta tell you, the first vehicles were horse-drawn carriages, and everybody knows that, but we don't think along those lines. Right. Uh, and they have this long piece of wood connected from the front wheels to the attachment of the horse or horses. Mm-hmm. And when the horse turned, the front wheels follow. So the trick was to control the horse, wouldn't you say? <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but anyway, when they invented when they invented the concept of mounting or retrofitting an engine into the carriage mm-hmm. to steer this thing, they had to cut a long piece of wood, and and then they had to retrofit some uh, some kind of lever, uh, hand crank similar to a, a manual window hand crank, only bigger. Then they used linkages or pulleys with ropes. Oh, yeah, this thing was, like, really primitive, and there was more than one guy making these things, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, but anyway, these ropes and pulleys, they, they just connected to the front wheels, and that's how they were able to steer the thing while sitting on, on top of this without the horse steering, you know? <laughs> they had a different type of horse underneath the hood then. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they would have even have dreamt of airbags back then. 
your safety ear Not on their wildest dreams, Pam. Mm -hmm. Now, realize that these first cars were very slow, and I mean 10 miles per hour tops. Uh, True. Now, because of the competition among the car builders, as time went by, cars got faster, and that led to better suspension and steering systems. Mm -hmm. Now that they were doing like 30 to 50 miles per hour, they needed something else in the suspension system to make the car safer and for better ride. And that's when, in 1901, oh yeah, I said 1901, wow. yeah, Moore's of Paris, mm -hmm. uh, Moore's was a, a car maker over there, and, and that car maker is, became Citroën later. And, you know, most people know what the Citroën is, yes. yes. But uh, uh, they first, uh, this, this Morse of Paris, they, they first fitted an automobile with shock absorbers uh, back then in 1901. And with the advantage of dampened suspension systems on his uh, Morse machine, mm -hmm. Henry Fournier won the prestigious Paris to Berlin race on the 20th of June of 1901. <laughs> I never knew that shock absorbers were uh, a big factor in yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you have intercontinental to, race there. We have to remember that we have good roads nowadays, but mm -hmm. back then, uh, you know, there was cobblestones uh, in the town and whatever, outside the town. Mm -hmm. uh, we're talking a race from uh, Paris to Berlin, and we're talking over a bunch of mountains and whatever, so you imagine those dirt roads were full of bumps and, and, and holes and, and whatever, and they were trying to do top speed of the time, you know, and of course. you imagine that those cars without shock absorbers, they were probably bouncing around all over, uh, and I bet the drivers of those things were probably better off they wish they were on a horse rather than <laughs> that car, you know? <laughs> They'd have a little cushion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but now, and, and of course, and, and that's the reason why they, they won uh, they won that race. Uh, they had the advantage over everybody else because they were riding fairly smooth while everybody was, else was bouncing around. All over the place. They, they had a stability. But, uh, of course, later we got better, better steering gear boxes and, and linkage systems to minimize the steering bump and mm -hmm. other non-desirable effects when driving. You know, that's true. You know, another thing is power steering. Oh, yeah. You know? Well, yeah, power steering was invented as early as 1876, but but it was not until it was not until 1951 that the Chrysler Corporation, oh yeah, the Chrysler Corporation, mm -hmm. uh, they introduced the first commercially available passenger car power steering system under the name Hydra Guide. That I knew, but I yeah. didn't know about the 1876. Uh, yes. Invention. That's that's interesting. But here's the thing, yeah. With power steering, the engineers were able to change certain geometries of the front suspension, such as caster, mm -hmm. making the car much more stable at high speeds and without the worry that the steering wheel be hard to turn. Because, see, the thing is that the older cars, and I know people uh, don't know too much about these things, but caster... Uh, Caster in the old cars they were pretty much set at zero degrees, 
okay? Mm-hmm. So the, the manual, with manual steering, it be, so it would be easy to steer. And uh, later, later after power steering, they got to, so where they, you would align the car with a, and set the degree of the caster to about three or four positive. And, and that made it a lot more stable and so on. Tell people about caster. We said, you know, it's literally like the casters on your rolling chairs. That's caster. Exactly, exactly. Just like the front fork of your bicycle, how it's kind of, how it has a curve forward. Mm-hmm. There you go. That, there's caster right there. And that's why people without caster, that positive caster on the bicycle, they can let go of the handles because the weight of the person on the bicycle tends to keep the wheels straight. Exactly. So this does translate from back at the turn of the century in today's modern cars, doesn't it? That's right. That is right. Uh, yeah, and, and yeah, well, yeah, cars and trucks, they have come a long way mm-hmm. from those days, but like everything else, Today's designs are a result of an automotive evolution, and unlike, oh yeah, and unlike Darwin's theory, this automotive evolution is fully documented, and we have solid proof. After all, most of those early designs are still around in museums, and, and owners, you know, by collectionists. Oh yeah. And, and be, now, because of the hybrid. And the fully electric vehicles, mm-hmm. some designs are still mutating. And I got a, an example of this is the, the power steering system. And some vehicles now, they're fully electric. No power steering True. pump, no hydraulic hoses, and no hydraulic fluid. So I got to tell you, I don't like changes. Mm-hmm. This is better for our environment because there are no chances of fluid leak. That's true. Nothing leaking into the ground, into the groundwater. What else do you think we can talk about suspension related to the modern car? Well, uh, the suspension springs, uh, thankfully, this hasn't changed too much. Mm-hmm. And somehow the engineers have not been able to put any electronics in them. The shock absorber, however, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The shock absorber, however, for the most part, is still the same, but for some cars, they found a way to complicate them with the electronics. So yeah. Um, yes. Active suspension. That's right. They have the ability to, depending on the speed and, and, and the bumps of the road and all that, to make the suspension stiffer or softer and so on and so forth. Now, from the safety standpoint, uh, the shocks are, we all know, they're very important because they keep the tires in the ground and, and provide stability for the vehicle. In other words... They keep the tires from bouncing on the surface of the road. So it stands to reason that if the tires are making good contact with the road most of the times, then you have better braking and steering control. True. Uh, yeah, but now, here's something that a lot of people don't realize. is, In order for the shocks to work properly, the suspension springs also have to be within specified height. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and, of course, according right to right. their design, you know. Right. That's about it for the uh, rest of the steering and suspension, isn't it, in the newer cars? Well, maybe not. Well, i, I got to tell you, the, the, they all work together, and, and we know the, any excessive end play at any 
of these parts is going to take away from stability and control. Not to mention uh, it's going to give you excessive tire wear. And, of course, the, the danger that the part might fail. In this case, you could end up losing parts or all of your steering control. And this is one of the reasons why, before we do an alignment with suspension and steering parts for excessive end play and other damage. That's true. No sense of setting up, you know, all three geometries when you have movement, because as soon as you take it off the rack, it's going to go in a different spot. That's so, right. Yeah. So why don't you tell listeners uh, what kind of maintenance is associated with the suspension and steering system? In reality, uh, there's not too much maintenance to be done. Uh, just the usual uh, four-wheel alignment every couple of years or, or sooner if mm -hmm. the tires are wearing uneven or if you just hit the curve <laughs> or, <laughs> or the pothole. Yeah. And keep in mind, while we're talking on the subject of hitting curves and potholes, keep in mind that some members of your family may not devote lately. <laughs> and I got to tell you, I have personal personal experience on that. <laughs> Me too, yes. Okay. But, but as I said before, uh, when we do the alignment, we also inspect suspension and steering parts. Now, some vehicles may require a bit of greasing at certain parts, and that, that should be done when you do the oil change. That's true. After all, that's why it's called lube oil and, and filter. filter. Yes. Well, you know, Pablo, as always, this is very, very interesting. Our listeners, of course, have learned something about their vehicles. So now that when they get a chance to talk to their technician, if they have an issue, they have a little bit of a background, and you know knowledge is power. No, but that's, that is right, yes. And this way it's going to be cheaper, less money out of their wallet, out of their pocketbook. But yeah, 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 everybody should know a little bit about, you know, about how things work on uh, on their car, or the systems and whatever, because, I mean, that way you can understand it better when your technician's explaining it to you and, and so forth. You know? Oh, yes, definitely. Well, Pablo, it is a pleasure as always, and look forward to talking to you in the near future. Okay, Pam, I'm going to get back to the trenches now. <laughs> okay, it sounds good. Okay. Thank you, Pablo. And just a quick break to recognize our sponsor for the second half of the show, Jasper Engines and Transmissions, 100% associate-owned. If you're in need of an engine or transmission, ask for Jasper by name. Of course, it comes with a three-year, 100,000-mile warranty, and that warranty is transferable. And remember, it's always cheaper for you as the consumer to replace an engine or a transmission than it is to replace the whole vehicle. So remember, ask your technician for Jasper by name. Let's continue on. So we're back in the studio here with Peter Sudek, our gadget guru. How you doing, Peter? Good, Pam. How are you doing? Good. So what did you think about uh, Pablo's little talk on power steering and suspension? Very, very interesting. A lot of stuff that... I had no idea. A lot of stuff I learned today. Yeah, a lot of history to it, wasn't there? Yeah. It was pretty interesting. Well, Pablo's always interesting anyway, but... Yeah, he's a history buff, that's for sure. Definitely is. So, uh, we're going to move on, and we're going to talk about our cheap car tip of the week. You know, everybody's doing vacations right now, kids are out of school, and unfortunately for some of you, things accidentally get left inside the car that uh, you would prefer not to and um, you notice that they had been accidentally left in the car when you open that car door the next day and you get 
an odor. <laughs> <laughs> yes, oh, something yeah. that wasn't there before. Oh, no. And uh, we're going to tell you what you can do with some cheap items already existing in your house. And the first one is charcoal briquettes. Those charcoal briquettes that you're grilling those hot dogs and hamburgers and steaks on this summer. Well, putting charcoal briquettes in your vehicle will also eliminate odors. It will actually absorb the odor. Did you know that, Peter? I wasn't aware of that. Do you put them in some sort of open container yeah, and just open stick container. them under the seat or something? Mm-hmm. Or how does that work? Yeah, put them in like a cool but container or, you know, Tupperware or... Oh, okay. Yeah. You can put a cover on them, poke holes in it to contain them. Wow. Keep them in one spot. Nobody even to think that would... If you drive like father and you're all over the road, full throttle or stop, you're going to want them in a container. Yeah, Velcro them to the, <laughs> to to the floor. floor. <laughs> but yeah, it really does work. Wow, that's amazing. I, mm-hmm. I had no idea. And you know what's even better than that? You can use the briquettes to grill with later on. It won't transfer the smell, but you can... Yeah, that'd be kind of a strange smoky flavor, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I want to tell you a horror story. We used to come down to Florida on vacation, and we would come down in the winter, of course, like being snowbirds. And to make a long story short, I remember one time it was brutal cold out, and we wanted to get in that hotel room. My mom, she had snacks galore in that car for everybody. I mean, any snack imaginable. And I don't know this one year, and this only happened once, she decided to uh, boil eggs have hard-boiled eggs in the car. You know where this is going, don't you, Peter? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, we forgot the hard-boiled eggs in the car <laughs> overnight, even though it was below 32, below freezing. And, uh, yeah, that was quite a odor that we could have used those charcoal burgers. <laughs> oh, my God. We joke about it to this day. So much for that. So, yeah, make sure if anybody does that, get them out of your car. Because it'd even be ten times worse in the summer. It was yeah. bad enough getting in that car the next morning when it was in the teens. Yeah, when they're, they had a little chance to ripen there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. That was, you know, below refrigerator temperature. But, oh, yeah, it was bad enough. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, charcoal briquettes. Coffee grounds also take the odor out of the car. Really? I never knew that. Well, I just learned that recently, too. I guess apparently the coffee grounds... Helps absorb the odor out of the car as well. Really? Yeah. Well, you know, I never thought about that, but when you fly, they have the coffee grounds hanging there for odor. So that makes sense, but I never thought about it for a car. That's pretty smart, Peter. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, uh, you guys out there, you try the, either the charcoal briquettes or the coffee grounds. Uh, drop us a line. Let us know how it works. And don't forget the rotten eggs. The hard-boiled eggs. The hard-boiled eggs, yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, make sure you get them out of your car, especially during the summer. It was bad enough in dead winter. During the summer, I could not even imagine that. Run, run run fast or run far. Well, you know, speaking about running far, our email question of the week, this is a first for us. It's from Washington State, far away from where we're at here in Florida. And David, he writes, Dear Pam, I'm always putting brake pads on my car. How long should brakes last? I emailed you back, David, but I needed to get some particulars to try to help you out. So we're just going to give you a general idea of how long brake pads should last. First of all, 
Brake pads can be on the front or on the back. You didn't specify if it's the front pads or the rear pads you keep on replacing. You're going to go through fronts a lot quicker than you will the rear pads. Because of just how the geometry is set up and how the vehicle is set up, front brakes can go between 75 to 90 percent of your braking force. All that force is on the front. While on the back you have between 10 and 25 depending upon make, model, and type of vehicle you have. Next option you can think of regarding the brakes either stop and go traffic like around town. True. Or if you're going on the highway. If the, you're traveling a lot of highway travel, the brakes get used very, very seldom where stop and go. You're constantly stopping for lights, stop signs, etc. Whether you're driving around neighborhoods, around city streets, so that makes a difference on wear and tear. Yeah, the as highway well. you don't. Highway. It's free you know, miles. Yeah, it's free miles. The brakes don't get used hardly at all. You didn't specify where you were at in Washington State, but I'll assume that it's pretty hilly or mountainous terrain where yeah. you're at. Washington's got some hills, that's for sure. That's going to wear the brake pads out a lot quicker than if you were in flat Florida. <laughs> and <laughs> the uh, largest incline here is well um, yeah they're going over one of the bridges over the water that's right <laughs> i think that's about it <laughs> yeah i think the one in tampa that's about the biggest incline you're going to hit around here <laughs> <laughs> that's true so you know going mountainous terrain is going to uh, make your vehicle's brakes lifespan a lot shorter than it would be if you were on a flat surface. Yeah, definitely. How you anticipate your stops. For an example, you can be like Peter who anticipates his stops and he sees that the light's going to turn red, takes his foot off the gas pedal and eases into that stop. Or you can stop like my father. Wait till the last second. That's right. Hit those Oh, I got 10 feet left. I better stop. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's going to turn green. We better stop. So, you know, that has a lot to do with how long your brake pads are going to last, that wear and tear. That's a good rule of thumb. Once in a great while, you'll have to stop fast, I mean, to avoid something possibly or something like that. But as a general rule of thumb, anticipate your stops. You can see the traffic ahead of what it's doing anticipate them it'll make them last longer and once sure again it'll save you money well you know talking about traffic depending upon what type of vehicle car versus a truck versus a suv versus a crossover you know how heavy that vehicle is is going to determine how long your brake pads are going to last as that's well that's true yeah what type of vehicle you have that's correct even though your brake pads are designed for that specific vehicle when you're going to stop more weight the brake pads are going to last less than if you had a small car stopping very little weight. That's correct. And also the quality of brake pads that mm, you're getting installed on your vehicle at your local shop, you know, if they go for the cheap ones where they advertise like $69.99 brake pads or whatever, you know, you, you get know, what you pay for. You're going to get what you pay yeah. for versus quality say ceramic brake pads that we deal with brand name well-known name brake pads right and those hold up a lot lot better so you know even if you do the brakes yourself don't get the 1099 brake pads you'll end up be doing them quicker than you want and then you're not going to be happy just spend the extra money get mm -hmm. the good stuff and overall you'll be better off 
And like mm-hmm. I always say that, if you can't start the car, nobody can get hurt. But if you cannot stop the car, somebody can get hurt or killed. Yep. It's not worth it. Your brakes are your most important item on your car. Well, it's kind of a tie between them and tires, but yeah. yeah. Still, mm. you need to stop. You know, you're talking about you keep on replacing these brake pads. What about a second opinion, Peter? Well, I would definitely do that. If it's a fairly regular occurrence, like if you're replacing brake pads once a year and you don't think you're abusing them at all, I would get another shop's opinion just to have them look at them to make sure there's not another problem or whether that first shop is saying, well, you got to replace the brake pads once a year and you're just going along with it. I would definitely get them checked out at a second shop just to make sure that they need to be done. Exactly. I think that's an excellent idea because, you know, can't hurt anything. No, not at all. Can't hurt anything. And no, you always ask for the measurement of the brake material. As a matter of fact, a lot of the tool manufacturers have a tool that specifically measures how much brake material is remaining, how much brake pad. And this little tool is in 30 seconds of an inch. That's right. So when you get down to about oh three or four thirty seconds you need to start planning to replace the brakes very very soon yeah those you are, say so those are getting kind of thin when you're up around 10 or 11 that's that's almost brand new mm-hmm. basically you know for the most part some are thicker and just like you said it just depends on the car but in general rule that measurement four to three thirty seconds replacing the pads shortly i i think that you're uh completely 100% right with that. Be safe, don't be sorry. Yep, because that's another thing. If if you let it go too far and it gets into the rotors, guess what? Oh my gosh. It's going to cost you more money. Money out of your wallet. That's right. That's what we're trying to do is keep money in your wallet for car repairs. Thank you. Thank you, David. And if you have any other questions, David, please don't hesitate to uh, email us and uh, ask us for more advice. That's what we're here for. That's right. That's what we try and help with. Okay, let's move on here. you know, Peter, there's a reason why we call you the Gadget Guru, and we're at that point in our show that you're going to tell us what gadget you found this week. Well, this object I've got is uh, it's called a Bluetooth rearview car mirror with caller ID display. You mean this is a rearview mirror that tells you who's calling? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Seriously? Seriously. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Okay. Please tell us more. (laughs) I can't wait to hear this. Well, it's got a built-in FM transmitter, which it feeds through the radio. Okay. So I've I've heard of other ones like that before. So the people people can listen (laughs) through your... You can listen through your car speakers. Okay. Um, It's apparently got voice recognition so you can voice dial you know call fred call joe and it'll (laughs) dial it for you (laughs) and if they're busy yakking on the phone you can hit or not hit but you can ask it to redial as well oh my god yeah okay and this is i i think this is pretty scary going down the road but that's okay um it's actually it's got call waiting and you can even do a conference call while you're driving down the road that's, that's that's scary. Yeah, that's what we need. More more distractions on the road. Yes. Yeah. Wait a minute while I get that paper and look at this. Oh yeah. <laughs> Crunch. Yes. Oh wow. So um and the memory in it is stores roughly about two hundred phone numbers. Okay. So you can put a lot of different people in there. 
uh, plugs into your cigarette lighter. Okay, so that's its power source. Right. And it clips on to your existing rear view mirror. Oh, so you don't have to take your mirror off. No. It just goes right it, over. It actually clips mirror. onto the existing one. That's correct. And the uh, cost of the item, believe it or not, for all this stuff does is only about 45 bucks. Serious. I'm dead serious. I wonder how much the ticket's going to be when you rear-end somebody because you're looking in your rear view mirror. <laughs> I, wonder how they, I wonder how they would try and prove that. You couldn't be taught, well, they get you, can't get you for texting, that's for sure. But. <laughs> no, they couldn't. I'm sure that one's next. Well, that's, that's pretty a, unique. That's, uh, for what it does, I know it's just accident waiting to happen, but that's that's a pretty credible little device for the car. I, yeah, I got to admit that for the cost... That ain't nothing. I thought it'd be a lot more than, a lot more than that for what it does. Well, if you know, if anything, it's going to make you check who's behind you, which some people don't anymore. They just have this tunnel vision forward. That's so that's right. So it would make you uh, definitely check behind you. I guess you would see after you rear-ended somebody, you could see who's going to go into you afterwards, right? Yes, you could. I don't know if you could call them ahead of time and warn them, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I definitely don't condone uh, talking and driving at the same time, no matter what. No, it's, it's better to pull over, go go into a parking lot somewhere, and just sit on. If you got to talk on the phone, just sit on the phone in a parking lot where you can't go anywhere. Exactly, that's true. And you know, Peter, we're at that point in our show this week. The, it's time to say goodbye. It's gone goodbye. quickly. <laughs> it's gone quickly, and. You know, we want to thank everyone out there, our sponsors and our listeners. Hopefully this advice, if you abide by it, you're going to save a lot of money making you a savvy car care consumer. Take care. Thanks for joining us today. Please make sure to come back next week for another edition of Car Care for the Clueless. And don't forget to look for Pam's book, Car Care for the Clueless, or How to Make Money While Maintaining a Vehicle. You'll find it on our website. Just click on the icon Host Website right in front of you on the webtalkradio.net page. See you next week.